And there we are, just like that, the Owl's Nest Barbecue Show. Thursday night, 7 o'clock in the east, 6 o'clock in the middle of the country. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. The show is brought to you by Michelin Tires, the Michelin Defender LTX to the Michelin MXV4. Michelin Tires have a tire for your car, truck, and SUV. Don't let your family ride on anything else. Get some Michelin Tires. Also brought to you by our newest sponsor, Green Mountain Grills. That's right, folks. They're in. Five Daniel Boons arrived yesterday. Aaron and I put one together. We fired it up today. It worked just as advertised. They are now in stock with accessories at the Owl's Nest Barbecue Supply Store. Don't forget, we are the broadcast partner for Backyard Smokers Barbecue on Facebook. Go there and check out all the neat topics that they have. And my friend Jeff Maxwell, back at his house, monitoring the chat room. So please join us with your questions. I'll get to them when I can. Randy, hello. Randy, my buddy Randy Barber is with us. Kevin Bevington already with us. Roddy Fitzgerald. Keith, I'm sorry, Keith Bevington, not, not Kevin. Keith, the brother of Kevin. Not... Not Kevin Keith. He's a good guy too. Hey, thanks for thanks for joining us. What a week! What a week! We finally got some hot weather. Hello, Dwayne Wade. We finally got some hot weather. We've got some. Um, I'm going to call it outdoor cooking um, attitudes going on. Finally, you know, we missed Memorial Day. I think, as far as the cookout uh, calendar went, it kind of came and went without much fanfare. And I think what I'm doing, I'm I'm pointing all my resources to july 4th i'm going to we're going to have a blowout july 4th i'm going to i'm going to make that the official welcome back to barbecue in ultawa tennessee so that's july 4th so look to us to uh, be having a uh, a get together a, a join up a, a big kind of like a little party there at the uh, midnight oil in ultawa on july 4th more more information about that will come in the near near future, we got a great guest lined up today with me from Suckle Busters, Mr. Dan Arnold. Dan, how are you? Awesome, awesome, Steve. All the way, all the way from the big old state of Texas. Yeah, bring it over to Texas. We we love some barbecue in Texas. The uh, Dallas area is where where um, Suckle Busters hails from, and um, Dan is the purveyor of such a business. Dan, what is, um, you know, first of all, you got a great line of rubs. They're, they're real popular at my store. What, what's, give me the history. How did you get into the, the rub business? Were you a cook at one time? Yeah, can I, can I say, ask you something first? Yes. I'm just sitting here and all of a sudden I'm looking at my camera and my microphone and I have microphone envy. What? <laughs> what my microphone? <laughs> I love that. That is awesome. Oh, that's a that's a I my that's get a my microphone like that, Steve. Well, you you just go down to the guitar shop and tell them what you want. <laughs> first, well, the first thing you do, first thing you do, you call Greg Rempe over at the Barbecue Central store, and Mr. you say Rempe, and you yeah. say, Greg, what kind of microphone do I need? He tells you, and then you take a, a bunch of money down to the guitar store, <laughs> <laughs> and you go I, and you write a note, and you go, I need one of these, and they go, ooh. And I said, I know, I know, I know. And, I love uh, me some Greg Rimpey, by the way, and I love the guitar store, so that's, yeah. that's going to work. I'm, well, this, I'm getting you, a you got to have Greg Rimpey money to get this thing. Well, I don't have Greg Rimpey. <laughs> no, no, who does? I charge it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put it, put it on your visa. Enough about Greg Rimpey. We get enough of Greg Rimpey on Tuesdays to last us a month. Let's talk about Suckle Busters and Dan suckle Arnold. Suckle Busters, yeah. What, busters. Tell me, tell me about the the history of this uh, this cool rub and sauce com uh, company. Okay, so now I'm not going to plug Rimpy too much, but he did actually help me get started uh, a long time ago. So shout out to Greg Rimpy. I think he helped guy. everybody get. I think he helped every. He, he gave did. me my start. I think he gave everybody their start. Yeah, back, way back at the Barbecue Central when he was running the forum, and that was it. You know, we mm -hmm. were. Forums were like way out there, high tech kind of stuff, and Rippy was running his forum. 
I started a forum called the Texas Barbecue Forum, and uh, he helped me get going. So hats off to Greg Renfrew. Wow. Good guy. Absolutely. Yeah. So Suckle Busters, uh, Suckle Busters has been rolling since about 2006. It was a plan B type deal, and then it turned into a plan A a few years ago. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. The plan, yeah. the plan, the plan B is always more interesting than present day. Well, well, well sure. when it was a plan B, just yeah. like my little my little barbecue store here in Ottawa, it was a plan B at one time. That's what right. was what was the plan A? What was going on with plan A? Yeah, so plan A for a long time was corporate America. I was in corporate, you know, executive sales and that kind of stuff, calling on big companies that you know. Had, what, did, what did you sell? I sell the computer software and okay. technology. So okay. I work for IBM. I work for SAP, Computer Associates, a couple of those high tech companies. Wow. Yeah. And so, high yeah. stress, high reward, you know, been there, done that, all that kind of stuff. Got all my t shirts. And a couple of years ago, Plan A kind of came to the point to where we could go to Plan B. So that was awesome. So, Dan, were you were you a competition cook on the side? I mean, was it your hobby or was it barbecue your hobby or backyard stuff? Bar- yeah, barbecue was always my hobby. Even back as far as uh, college, you know, if you were going to go have a Sunday afternoon cookout, you were going to be at my place. So I've always oh, wow. loved barbecue. Never really was that interested in competition cooking, mm-hmm. but just always loved great barbecue, although we had tons of competition guys we sponsored. And in fact, they help us uh, make our products we make today and make them a lot better. Uh, we've just always been kind of right in the middle. Uh, a backyard cook and competition cook, Suckle Busters is squarely right in the middle of that group. Our competition guys give us the quality, the direction, the advice we need. And the backyard cooks are really our core market uh, mm-hmm. and who buys a lot of our products. You know, Dan, I've only been into barbecue. It's, it's about seven and a half years now. Yeah. And uh, I, I entered it when I when I watched the course. I'm like everybody else. I saw it on Barbecue Pitmasters. Entered my first contest and got hooked. And then uh, started cooking at the house. And I was uh, I, I was I was a little amazed and a little sad that I had missed uh, for all those oh, years not being period. an outdoor cook. Because yeah. um, every time when I brought it up, where I had my gas station where I work. Uh, you know, we talk barbecue and, and somebody will say, oh, yeah, I've been doing that for a long time. And then it, it's like it's like something that everybody has in common and that yeah. you, th- that you didn't know about it. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's, sure. it's kind of the thing that when you gather around the table, you know, you get the uh, the doctor, the attorney, the gas station guy, uh, the the uh, the uh, medical uh, medic guy and the uh, dress shop owner. And it seems the one thing that uh, we all have together and all have in common is barbecue for sure yeah that's right yeah and i grew up we were country folks right we were we were on that side of the tracks that you know not everybody was on and a lot of times barbecue is just the way we cooked you know that's just the way we lived and Mm -hmm. that's the type of meat we could afford and those are the things we ate and um, frankly you know those are things we love and we always try to kind of go back, right, and recreate those times when we grew up and had great barbecue. Well, you see, I, you've, you've got that background. I didn't have I didn't have that background. I didn't, my my parents didn't cook out. We didn't do barbecue. I didn't, I wasn't even, a, I wasn't even interested in, you know, cooking steaks. I just wasn't, oh, really? a, I just wasn't a culinary guy. I played golf. Yeah. And, you know, that was my, that was kind of my hobby. And, yeah. uh, but then when this uh, barbecue thing started, I thought, I have been missing out on something that is is more fun than anything that I have ever done before or since. Absolutely, you know, and the, the fact of the matter is, everybody loves great barbecue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, everybody. There's there's no doors when it comes to barbecue. It's for everybody, and if you cook really great barbecue, it, it's always satisfying, no matter who you are. So when you were transitioning from um, the Ernie L's company, SAP. To the uh, rub company, what yeah. tell, tell me what that was like. What would you do during the day uh, oh at work, and then what would you do at night? Because I've heard, heard other people talk about this, and but everybody's yeah. got a different a different method, though. Yes, so uh, we designed the company so that we have certain parts of the company outsourced 
for example, Copacker. We have a Copacker that manufactures our products. Also have our a 3PL, which is our warehouse and distribution partner. They fulfill orders for us and ship our orders for us. And so the key functions of the company that we operate are, you know, like the R&D, the marketing and the sales and the accounting and, the, you know, kind of the business functions of mm -hmm. uh, uh, Suckle Busters. So to operate that, it was a lot easier to do it when I had a corporate job because I could do barbecue at night and on the weekends or when I, you know, just had a few minutes on the side. And, um, you know, we just built it up. I'll be honest, when I left corporate America, I, in my mind, I still had about, you know, a few more years to take Suckle Busters before I was going to jump. But an opportunity came up and the doors opened. And frankly, it was a huge blessing and just, you know, definitely something that was divine intervention that allowed us to transition over from corporate America into Suckle Busters. And the company just took off. The, the barbecue business just took off and it's been wonderful. Well, tell me, tell me about the first um... – the, the first bottle of rub that uh, did you did, did you make it are you, are you like the first generation guy or did you was there was there a, a parent involved or another partner or anything yeah so i've always made my own and um, i just played with recipes a lot uh -huh. like most barbecue guys right yeah so i had a particular recipe i was really fond of and i would keep some in the pantry and somewhere along the way we started calling it suckle busters and uh that was our very first rub that we bottled. Mm -hmm. And how did, how did the name Suckle Busters come about? Because it's an unusual name, but it's a very it's a very friendly name. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. Okay, so this is, hey, thanks, Dad. So my dad is uh, the genesis of all this. My dad's quite a, a joker. You know, he's a real kidder. He's always joking around, having a good time. So when I was a little kid, I went to the uh, state fair in our hometown. It's called the East Texas State Fair. And when I got home that night, I, was, I think I was like 12 years old. My dad uh, was there, and he said, hey, did you ride the Sucker Buster? And I thought, oh, my gosh, no. He goes, oh, don't worry about that. That They have that out back. They only let the big kids ride the Sucker Buster. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I missed it. <laughs> you know, I'm, it only comes once a year, and I missed the best ride ever. And, uh, you know, of course, he, he hadn't made, all, he made it up. Yeah, we were just joking around, but the name kind of stuck around, and we kind of transitioned it to Suckle Busters uh, back in '04 and '05 when people were saying, "Hey, what do you call yourself?" So we just blurted it out one time. It stuck. Uh, we love it. It means busting with flavor, and mm -hmm. it's just it's just really grown. I guess the Sucker Busters joke was the uh, the uh, kind of the running joke in the family forever. Forever, you'd, you'd ask you'd ask your friends over. You know, have you been to the Sucker Buster ride, the Sucker Buster That's fair, right. the yeah. it's yeah. you know it's out back, that kind of thing. You know, you know it's funny how those little family, those little family currents uh, undermine everything. You know, you said your dad's a kidder. You know, yeah. I, I'm a big kidder here with my daughter, and um, she doesn't call it kidder though. She says I'm extremely not cool. So oh I'm God. glad you thought your your yeah. dad was cool. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, I'm currently the most uncool guy in the neighborhood too. So, <laughs> so, so what was the um, so what was the first one? Um, which which flavor? What what so our, started it all off? One, what's that? What started it all off? Oh, started all. Uh, it's called Texas Gold Dust, and um, it, it's a very southwestern Texas style rub. It has a lot of cumin and a lot of chili powder, mm -hmm. and so um, it had a lot of Texas flavor. I'll just leave it at that. And then and then from there it grew to. I'm, I'm looking at your pamphlet. Oh my which, gosh! Yeah. Which which another thing is. I've never seen a pamphlet from another <laughs> another company. This is this is really cool. I mean, it, it's got everything. You know, when, when I got it in, I, I sat there and when I was putting the stock up, I, I just stopped a minute. And I said, "Well, I only got his four. I When I called you, I said, "Give me your four. You know, your four top sellers." Right. And uh, but I didn't realize that um, you know you had this many products. You could, my yeah. gosh, you could open a store with just your stuff. You know, you know. Hey, we'd love that. <laughs> You'd probably get a discount for that. Every every yeah, probably would. Um, the um, the packaging, the logo, and everything is uh, top drawer. Tell me tell me about the the team at Suckle Busters. Who is who is the team as far as designing and marketing? And that's the fun. So I'm never I'm never much interested in the 
um, you, you know, the recipe stuff. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm a lot like what Johnny Trigg said on barbecue pitmasters that time. He said, I don't make my own rub because there's so many rubs out there that you couldn't possibly make one better than what's already out there. So I always concentrate on the marketing part and the design and getting it out there. What is, what is that team at Suckle Busters? Yeah, that'd be me. Um, that's it. <laughs> no, we, uh, so team Dan. I spent a lot of time on marketing. It's important to me. It's, you know, it, it really is everything in terms of consumer sales mm -hmm. because the customer walks into your store, Steve, and that's what they see, right? They you yeah. have that little bitty piece of real estate and you're trying to convey something that consumer that's, you know, important to them and is understandable by them and something that hopefully, you know, they'll connect with. And so I spend a lot of time on marketing and we, one of the things that we've always tried to do is make sure that we have a consistent brand, regardless of how you connect with Suckle Busters. We want to, we want to, you know, have a, a repetitive, uh, you know, message that we send our consumers. And so we spend a lot of time making sure that everything is just right. Dan, do you do you taste every every rub after it's been uh, shipped, or I guess it goes through you after after you've sent the order into your packager? Do you when it comes back, do you take a sample to make sure that that's that's the taste that you're looking for? Well, fortunately, we have an awesome co-packer who we had a relationship with for twelve years, mm -hmm. and they blend our products to spec, and they know our product as well as we know our mm -hmm. product. Yeah, so. We don't have to stand over them. We certainly do, you know, sample um, here and there, but we don't have to stand right there and watch them or check yeah. every batch, so to speak. But it's all about uh, building the right kind of processes and putting those in place so that you do hit the quality mark every time, every single time. The, um, you know, the awards that y'all have, first place American Royal Barbecue Sauce Contest, first place Best of the Best, uh, first place Chili Pepper Magazine Awards. Well, I want to get to that Chili Pepper in a minute. Uh, what are the Scoby Awards? First, you got a first place there. Yeah, Scoby Awards are for the hot and spicy, what okay. we call the pepperheads. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, so they have they have a big contest every year out in New Mexico. I didn't I didn't realize there were so many pepperheads out there. Oh, it, it's huge. There, if you think about the barbecue kind of subculture, if you will, like guys like us. Mm -hmm. A whole subculture of hot, what we call hot heads or pepperheads, yeah. exists as well. And yeah. there's stores, there's products, there's people, there's conventions, uh, contests, the whole nine yards. It's awesome. They're uh, great folks. First place, Fiery Foods. Yeah. Uh, first place, National Barbecue Association, the official best barbecue rubs and sauces 2019, and Rubs of Honor and the National mm -hmm. Barbecue News. Now, those are... Um, and, you know, just because uh, maybe some of the people have not heard of those, those are uh, Andrew Platt has joined us. Hello, Andrew is our uh, one of my chef buddies from down in Miami, Florida. Um, these these are awards that are uh, given by people in in this in this business yes. that uh, that's that um, sample things that are that are privy to products that a lot of people aren't even uh, privy to. You know, when when people come in the store. Dan, they'll go, what's the hottest thing you got? <laughs> I, I had no idea. And yeah. uh, and I said, well, I, you know, I haven't tasted everything that, that comes in there because I've got thousands. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, you know, this one's pretty hot. And they'll take that. Uh, oh, it's nothing. You know, you yeah. don't have anything hotter than that. Uh, they want to burn it down. And I said, no, I don't think I do. But what um, I know you have the ratings in here yeah. we'll, we'll do a little we can do a little product knowledge I'm, I'm i'm just using you to get product knowledge um it looks like the bam habanero sweet heat that one's pretty hot is that a rub it's hot so it'll it'll hurt you because yeah. that's what they want they want to be hurt yeah the average guy that, that that's pretty strong for the average consumer it, it has habanero powder in it and it, mm -hmm. it it really grabs you and kind of hangs on i wonder why i wonder what drives a person to want to eat food and then have to wash it down with milk and bring tears to their eyes. Okay, well, that thing got out of control for a while. We were talking about hotheads, you know. Mm -hmm. What happened was uh, with the internet and Facebook and all this crazy stuff going down, they got into this, uh, this routine where people would eat the hottest thing they could eat until they threw up on the screen. 
and, and it just was like all the rage and people would sit around and watch this crazy stuff. So mm-hmm. I think it's like, a, you know, it's like, hey, can I jump higher than you? Can I run faster than you? Can I eat the hotter food than you? Right. Type thing. It's just right. a, a competitive nature. But my experience is this, is that the people who really enjoy the hot foods, they everyone has a different uh, palate and everyone has a different level of sensitive sensitivity to these hot foods and what might be super you know volcano hot to me may be fairly you know nominal to somebody else and so they really a lot of these people really do want the hot hot because they just don't experience it like other people do they just don't taste the hot as much well, they, there's there's certainly a bunch of products out there, and uh, oh, yeah. I know we're carrying some a couple of hot sauces, and yeah. um, it's just it, it it's you know every every week that goes by, and because I'm, I'm I'm so new to this, it, it amazes me what people uh, ask for, because uh, it's because before yeah. this before this Dan I just hung around with uh, competition guys where I got my information from competition yeah. fellows, and it's I, I found out really quick that uh, competition. Uh, recipe and cooking is very boring compared yeah, to. Yeah, well, you don't want to com- offend anybody, right? Right. Compared right to w- compared to what's out there that is so tasty, and from what guys like you put out there in in the different flavors. When you're when you're working on a flavor, tell me what's your thought process about right. uh, you know like when you're going to bring a product to uh, to market or you find a need or a, a gap in a, in a certain segment. That Dan, that Dan Arnold says, yeah, I, I can feel this thing. Right. We do it a little differently, I think, than most. And I, it could be because we have so many products today. We try to be, you know, sensitive about what we're bringing to market. Some, we always want to do something that's unique, mm-hmm. if possible. And, um, well, first of all, we want to make something that is awesome, right? That's number one. You can sell somebody a product once, but we want to sell them twice. Mm-hmm. We want the repeat business. So we always want to put out something awesome. We try to be unique, which is more and more difficult these days. But we don't start with, oh, I have this product. I want to package it. Where I start is, what is the concept of what we're trying to deliver? Okay. What What is it that is missing in the market space conceptually that we can bring to market? And so I usually have the name of the product kind of the idea of the product, what niche it's going to fill, maybe the flavor profile that I'm shooting for, and then I go try to bake that recipe. Mm-hmm. So when yeah. uh, so so when you finally get that recipe, do yeah. you when you add something, do you take something away from the line and and plug this in or do you just simply add to it? Yeah, so today what we do is we remove uh, products from the line and we replace them with new products. Is, is, it, is that a cost? Is that just a, a, a cost factor? Because it, it well, costs so much to keep these things uh, fresh and going? Well, we uh, it's not so much, I guess oh, at the end of the day, yeah, it is cost because you know ultimately you could carry every rub you ever made and never discontinue a product. We look at it, I don't look at it for that reason, but that that is true. I look at it, in terms of trying to continually improve everything that we have so that we just move them up the chain, right? Right. And so we group our products by what we consider success. Success is sales, right? So if customers are buying your product, that's a successful product. The top sellers, you know, are the top sellers and they continue to be the top sellers. And then we kind of have a middle group that are either moving up or down, right? Mm-hmm. Those are newcomers or maybe they're older products or whatever reason it's a product that has not sold as well as we hoped it would or and then there's a bottom group the bottom group we try to replace with new products that can move up the chain again and so we just look at it like it's a continual improvement we always want to introduce new products to the market space and we push you know the best sellers the other ones we let go yeah when you're when you're trying to market the rubs uh, do you turn to to teams, uh, and do you have to talk them, you know, competition teams? Uh, because, and the reason I ask this, Dan, it seems like more and more guys that, and, and women that that compete have their own products that they're selling, 
and right. and it's uh it's it's beginning to it become uh, it's always been a crowded market but i don't have to tell you how crowded it is when you approach a team or you you're trying to market this rub what is the what is the percentage that you go after the competition market and then you go after the backyard market because you know you're going to sell more to the backyard people than you are to a competition team so right. how do you balance that out or what what kind of energy do you use for each segment of the market? Yes. Yeah, and, the, and we we love everyone, right? So we <laughs> want to make sure we have products that work for everyone's taste and needs and requirements and that type of thing. We've been very fortunate to work with some of the best teams in Texas. We have a group of uh, folks called Team Sucklebusters that is uh, about 200 strong now. And it is a group of, it started off just competition cooks, but we've recently added different types of folks to that group for different reasons. But a lot of competition guys in Texas and names you would know, we sponsor teams. We sponsor about 50 teams worldwide. Mm -hmm. And then we also have uh, chefs. We have business people. We have store owners. We have friends. We have brand ambassadors. All types of folks that you know, know and love Suckle Busters then what we do is we take our products through a couple of test cycles and try to come up with some candidates, if you will, mm -hmm. in terms of flavor profiles. And maybe it's like product ABC or something like that, or maybe it's A and B. And then we'll take those products and let Team Suckle Busters try them, even in competitions or what have you, yeah. and give us feedback on those products. And then we refine the products or we pick a winner or we, you know, you know just refine the product until it's ready to bring to market. And so from that perspective, a lot of our products are tested by competition teams way before they're ever available in the general market. So when you sponsor a team, mm -hmm. if you've got a, if you've got 50 teams in the stable, what, what, what is a sponsorship entail? What, what do you give these people in, in return for their feedback and for their publicity on social media? Yeah, so there's there's different levels, and some teams we sponsor, you know, very few teams we sponsor fully. Mm -hmm. In other words, we will, you know, cover all their costs for product and what have you, shipping, mm -hmm. um, any type of marketing materials. We'll work with them very closely in terms of product testing. We may even create a product just for them, if you will. Mm -hmm. So those guys we work with very closely. All of our teams, we provide sample products to, we provide swag and all that good stuff. We have a program set up for them to buy heavily discounted products mm -hmm. if they need it. And um, then we have other folks that are, are maybe kind of on the, uh, more on the brand ambassador side that we'll just give a free product to here and there, you know, in return for some social media uh, exposure. And do, you, and do you talk about that with them when, when you, when you send them something say, Hey, I'm going to, send you something. I appreciate you trying it. And I appreciate the mention because, you know, the, um, I was talking to a, a fella today in, in a, in an entirely different, uh, barbecue related product line. And, uh, his, his, he has been charged by his company to go out and find social people on social media in barbecue yeah. With the with the intent of lining them up and getting them product in return for them trying it out and talking about that product, and uh, it's a, it, it, if I told you the name of the company, you'd you'd recognize it, and yeah. it, it's a, it's a pretty good sized company, uh, not the biggest, but it's it's not the smallest either, but it just seems to me that when he when he was talking about this, it was uh, it just showed me the importance of marketing on this alternative format that we have now uh, the you know this this social media internet and i know it's 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 to somebody my age it's it's different but somebody your age younger it's it's the way it's been because that's all they've known but uh, the what's it's no longer alternative it's the primary marketing media you think so you think so for our industry i would mm -hmm. say yes I, I would agree with that. I'd agree with that because you never see commercials on um, national television. You don't ever see, uh, you know, when you're tuning into the Food Network, you don't ever see, uh, you know, any any rub 
any rub people that yeah. um it seems like you're right that they're they're pumping this thing through social media and yeah. what how do you how do you approach somebody? I mean, what do you what do you tell them? I mean, what if they're uh, you know they're a brand X guy and uh, you're and you want to get them? Do you you know what what's the what's that process? We we take a little bit of a different approach, um, and a lot of these things we've done and have led the way in some respects on social media. And there there's a lot of folks that lead in their own area, and and we love those guys and respect them. Mm-hmm. We take a different approach. I have people, I get multiple phone calls every day. I get multiple emails every single day of people wanting us to either give them free product or sponsor them or, you know, give them samples or whatever it is, right? Right. And that there is an approach and and it is a viable approach to, you know, um, let's just call it use a personality to promote your brand, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in social media terms, that may be someone who has a lot of followers on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, well, that makes sense that, you know, the more people that follow them, the more you want to get your product in front That's of the them. The more exposure, right? Yeah. And so there's a financial type advertising strategy around that, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, this guy's got 100,000 followers, and I'm willing to spend X to either get him to do a commercial or give him product or whatever it is, right? Or mm-hmm. pay And you can do that. Um, we don't approach it that way. What we do is this, and, and it's worked really well for us. We let the brand, um, we go to market with the brand, and then we try to um, surround ourselves with people that love the brand and would use it regardless is if we were giving them free product or friends with them or whatever it is. In other words, our number one requirement is that I already know that you love the brand because you've been using it for a long time. And I likely know that either you're buying it from my dealer, you know, from mm-hmm. your store, you would know, right? right. About what, or maybe you bought it directly from us or however, we would have a relationship because of that. We would already have that customer and manufacturer relationship. And, and then we want to kind of take it to the next level and maybe we just want to, you know, provide some free products for you and help you build your internet presence or help you build your social media presence. At the same time, we're getting, you know, uh, coverage on our brand and that's the way we approach it. So it's a little, it's a kind of a little bit of a different approach, but I think what's happening is, is the, the internet and the social media platforms, they are just getting way overhyped because everybody's rushing in and creating ads and doing all this crazy stuff. So we kind of want people to love us first and love our brand for who it is. And then we want to talk about maybe having a next level relationship. You, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the ground, the ground level of marketing. And when, when people come in the store, I've always been a, a person that observes what, what the customer will, will look at first, uh, you know, what they gravitate to. Uh, there's a certain customer that comes in and they gravitate towards the name uh, and they're looking for a well-known name. Um, And then, then there's a customer that comes in and several of them. So, Oh, you've got suckle busters and it's not associated. They weren't associating it with, you know, the, the next word out of the mouth was not, Oh, I saw this guy use it. It was, this stuff is good. I've seen this before. I've used this before. Yeah. And it, it seems to be a brand that that stands on its own without the celebrity connection to it. And I know a lot of well-known barbecue cookers use it, but it seems to be a brand that you've like just doing exactly what you've said is the brand has become almost bigger than any individual that uses it. And then there's a two-way street there where you can get somebody – like if um, like if I wanted more people to watch me, I would say I use Suckle Busters. I would use you right. to draw name recognition to me, kind of in a reverse, sure. a reverse thing. Okay. Like like oh, if he uses that, you know that must be a, a great. Not that you know nobody's going to use anything I tell him to, but it's you see what I'm saying though. For sure, it's it's a it's an amazing mix of marketing that that goes on in this social media platform because i see you know i see people on on youtube 
and there's you know you know there's a, a whole just a whole quails nest of these guys and some of the products i've never heard of uh some of them of course i've heard of but everybody has got a uh you know everybody seems like they've got a uh got a got a scheme going on yeah i mean you know <clears throat> there's a lot of folks running around now that don't have any products they just have their name on somebody else's jar mm -hmm. and it's for us it's a little different and I think it's because of where we started. I started 30 years ago making barbecue because that's what I ate. And I had this recipe that my family enjoyed eating. And it's just a great recipe, right? Mm -hmm. and everything I do is mine. It's my recipe. I made it. Team Suckle Busters help us make it better. And then for me, it's a point of pride that it's mine. It's yeah. not someone else's recipe with my label on it. It's it's Dan Arnold's recipe that my friends helped me develop, and they all love it. And that's just where it, go, it starts, you know, and it grows from there. And so we've had some great ones. We've had some that didn't perform as well as others. And that's been awesome, too, because we learn, right? And some things like we were talking about earlier, we either discontinued or moved around or did something different with. Um, but the great ones, you know, kind of rise to the top and it, it makes us even prouder, right? When, when they're successful. You know, down in your area of the country, you're coming off of a um, phenomenon that's been going on all oh, three or four years. And, and it culminated uh, last week when Aaron Franklin was named uh, a barbecue hall of famer. Oh, yeah. And that's the Texas brisket. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I know certainly Aaron Franklin didn't invent the Texas brisket, but he sure did market the Texas brisket better than anybody else. Um, tell us, are, are, is your company, I don't want to say under pressure, but I will for lack of a better phrase, do you feel any pressure to come up with a, a rub that personifies that Texas uh, flavor that everybody's looking for, and especially the color and uh, the whole hard, uh, you know, the hard crust and the... Uh, you know, the length of cooking and the brown paper wrapper and the whole, you know, the whole the whole aura that surrounds Texas brisket. Because I'm going to tell you something, Dan, when you tell somebody you're cooking brisket, they go, oh, OK. And then but you say, hey, I got a Texas brisket. They all of a sudden, they go, oh, really? You're, you got a Texas brisket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, and, the, and the, everybody's interested in that. And they still yeah. are. Yeah. So 1836 is our go to rub for Texas brisket. And it has that, um, you know, that whole definition of what Texas is in the bottle. Mm -hmm. And the thing that we were reaching for with 1836 is a little bit even, a little bit even further past kind of this current craze on Texas brisket. But we were trying to reach back into the history of Texas, which is when the, the state was uh, declared independence was in 1836. So what we wanted to do was create a rub that personified what someone might be using back in those days, right? Mm -hmm. And that would mean something very simple. No crazy ingredients because they just weren't available at the time, right? So salt, pepper, garlic, and fresh ingredients. And it would definitely be used on beef. And so our brand of Texas brisket, if you will, is 1836. So did you, uh, is that like a, is that a newer item that you've added or has it always been around? It, it's a few years old. Um, and it came from a lot of different places. What it, it came from, uh, we had a rub that was super successful. In fact, it's our number one. So it's called SPG mm -hmm. and it's salt, pepper, garlic. And that started a whole craze on its own, but SPG I had forever, but I didn't develop it because I thought it was too simplistic. And I thought, well, everybody you know, can mix their own SPG, but it turns out they love ours. Our recipe happens to be phenomenal. That's one of the reasons it's successful. But we had the SPG and it was just going crazy. It was really doing well. And I wanted to reach a little further over into the kind of the tradition of Texas with the cracked black pepper. And that's when we hit on 1836. So, so you were reacting to that brisket phenomenon market? It, it's With kind it. of a yes in certain ways. Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, the whole the whole idea of this cracked black pepper and this thing about Aaron Franklin and Central Texas brisket, 
and competition brisket mm -hmm. and where the flavor profile of that style of cooking went back to was 1836 in my opinion right it's a very simplistic thing it's salt pepper garlic you know maybe and um 1836 was running along those lines and you know aaron frankly frankly back you know six eight years ago you really couldn't find great barbecue in dallas texas which is really interesting yeah i mean like you were saying, this phenomenon has just bubbled up in the last six to eight years. And now there's awesome barbecue restaurants, you know, all over the place in Dallas, Texas. But way back when, you know, you get chain barbecue and then you had your guys that cooked at home like us. Mm -hmm. We knew what great barbecue was, but it wasn't something you'd find in a restaurant in Dallas, Texas, you know, 10 years ago. You know, you've, you've got so many different products, um, especially for uh, pork and um oh. I know pork's not a well. I shouldn't shouldn't say. I'm just speculating that pork is not as big as beef in Texas. Is that a fair statement? In general, it is. But you know, I, I grew up in East Texas, and we had pork ribs. That was one of my favorite meals. Okay, was pork ribs. I always thought you know. I always hear Texas is is when you say Texas barbecue, it's beef. Here in Tennessee, it's it's pork. Yeah. You know, Georgia, it's pork. Yeah. And um, the. Uh, the flavor profiles that you have, uh, Keith Bevington was just on here, and he said that uh, uh, Holler, what's, what's Holler. yeah, he said that's his favorite. That, that's his that's his that's his favorite. And, yeah, so Hogwaller is kind of a uh, Kansas City style, if you will, like a KCBS style rub. Mm -hmm. um, it has a lot of complicated flavors in there, but it has a lot of sweet for sure. Yeah, what um. I'm, I'm sure let's, let's con, compare and contrast and I always like to use um, my, uh, Harry Sue on one side and say like a uh, somebody cooking in their backyard you know on the, on the one side you've got uh, a salt pepper guy on the on the right hand side yeah. and then on the left hand side you've got your Harry Sue's who is a uh, salt pepper garlic plus 37 other uh, flavors that are in the cupboard that happen to be in that day. Uh, yeah. where, uh, what are some of the, the products that you have that fall on the simple side? And then what are some of the more complex rubs that y'all have? Yeah, so SPG, salt, pepper, garlic, is our base rub for everything. Mm -hmm. And you can put it on any type of meat, any kind of uh, vegetable, whatever you're cooking. So SPG, we usually go to as our base layer, our base flavor profile, mm -hmm. if you will. And then, you know, I use usually on a brisket, I'll usually go SPG. Well, I'll always go SPG. Well, we, we'll put a binder on. I like to use Worcestershire mm -hmm. as a binder. Um, and then I'll put on a, a pretty good layer of SPG, salt, pepper, garlic, which is garlicky and salty. Mm -hmm. If I'm going traditional, I'll usually roll it with 1836, which is the heavy cracked black pepper. Yeah. If I want to go more kind of uh, mainstream barbecue-y, if you will, I'll try to go with something like our Texas brisket rub, which is more of kind of like a paprika garlic flavor, mm -hmm. uh, and head that direction. Um, or if I want to go with something that's kind of spicy and barbecue-y, uh, we have a rub called Hoochie Mama that's really good. It has a little bit of celery in there, and mm -hmm. so it does really nicely on briskets. And then... I know, I hate to say this, but in, te in Texas nowadays, or when I cook in the backyard, I like to have just a little bit of sweet. And so we have a new rub called Sugar Daddy, and I'll throw a little bit of Sugar Daddy on top. And so we'll hit three layers of flavor profile. Mm -hmm. yeah. That uh, that sweet profile on brisket is very common in uh, uh, KCBS contests. I know that uh, yeah. our yeah. Uh, our For sauce sure. our sauce on our brisket on our burnt ends was, uh, is a very sweet sauce. Yeah, and uh, sure. and, it, and uh, sweet enough. on guys that can cook, they, it scores well. And guys like me that you know, yeah. they go, you know, good try. So well, yeah, uh, sweet, sweet is king. And uh, like Sugar Daddy, um, well, it came from competition. Um, Jack Cashman uh, is one of our sponsored teams, and mm -hmm. I was working with him on this. Sugar Daddy was originally a finishing dust for ribs and chicken, and we had Jack testing this thing out. And all of a sudden, he started doing better with uh, ribs and chicken. 
And so we would take the sugar daddy that we sell and he would grind it in a grinder and use that as kind of a finishing dust. And so, you know, that's that's where that rub came from. It was a sweet finishing dust. And let me tell you something, it is sweet. It's like, it's so sweet. It, it is, it's the, We call it the sweetest rub in Texas, but it's the sweetest rub in the world. Yeah, so well, that, you know, there, there's a there's a, a, a thought, a school thought out there that um, barbecue judges are old and their taste buds are, are more dead than um, younger people. And of course, the, the first rule of barbecue is, is, was explained to me that the last thing you put on the meat is the first thing the judge tastes. So go. if you get a, an old judge with dead, dead taste buds and you finish it off with something sweet, you're going to yeah. hit it exactly where, you, where he can taste it and go, hey, that's pretty good. I'll give that's you a good. nine. Yeah, so our comp team, Karma um, uh, Q Barbecue, we is a charitable barbecue team that we sponsor, and um, we took third place in Houston this year in ribs with Sugar Daddy. Oh wow! Yeah. So that's the, yeah. The, the sweet stuff seems to go to ribs really good. For sure. Yeah. Uh, let's let's shift gears if you got a second. Let's go to barbecue sure. sauces. We were we were talking earlier during our uh, practice, our Skype practice. That I, I I couldn't um, I couldn't believe how popular barbecue sauce were. Um, yeah. People come in the store. I didn't have many, and I've got a ton now because um, people just they want them and they, they want something different. Uh, they want they they want more than what the grocery store has to offer. And you've got one down here that was it was given to me by a friend one time, a Doug Shiding. I don't know if you know Doug or not. Oh yeah, Rogue Cooker. Uh, yeah, Road Cooker. He sent yeah, he's me. He's on Think Busters. Yeah, yeah. He sent me a uh, a jar of your honey barbecue glaze finishing mm -hmm. sauce one time, and I didn't. I did. I'd never. I never heard of a finishing glaze. You know, we just we just sauced them and you know turned them in. Yeah. And uh, the first time I used this in a little contest we have down in um, Chickamauga, Georgia, uh, we won. And not it's not a big deal, but. It, but we won, and it was because of that, the taste and the finish that that stuff put on uh, those ribs. And, you know, I've still got this in my garage, and um, and I'm going to get it and put it in the store. But it is it is such a, a unique product. And tell, tell me where that came from, because, you know, it's not it's not sauce. It's it's a honey barbecue glaze. And, a, and what makes a difference between a finishing sauce and say a barbecue sauce. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just pure genius, isn't it? <laughs> you must have made it. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself because it's, it's not that at all. It's just the reality behind our sauces is, is that's the way I grew up eating sauce. There's a barbecue joint in East Texas called the Country Tavern, and they use thin vinegary sauces, and I love their stuff. And I, you know. I just love their sauce, and so when I made my sauce, I made mine sort of thin and vinegary, mm -hmm. which is a little different, right? Because a lot of people think, especially the big brands, right? They there is a perception that if it's thick, it's more valuable. It's yeah. better. It's gloppy. Yeah. I wasn't going for that. Okay, I was going for this is what I like to eat, and this is what tastes good to me. And for me, the sauce needs to be sweet, but it needs to be tangy. Okay, mm -hmm. and then if you have that rib that's cooked perfectly and barbecued over oak, hickory, or some you know really nice smoked wood flavor in your ribs, they're naturally sweet. And then you have that tangy sauce that hits it. That's the yin and the yang of barbecue. That's what makes it taste so good. Is those mm -hmm. two contrasting flavors. And so our barbecue sauce is sweet and tangy, um, and just a little bit spicy. And then for our competition guys, what we wanted to do is we wanted to make uh, just add the third dynamics, which is visual, is that nice, pretty sheen, you know, that shiny color that you get as a yeah. glaze. That's why we call it a glaze. And one of my good buddies, uh, Jeff White with Redneck Cookers, he goes, you know, this really isn't a sauce. It's more kind of a finishing glaze. And I was like, you know what, Jeff, I think you're right. And, and so we called it a finishing glaze. Mm -hmm. Then... And so it'll hit the ribs and the chicken, and it'll kind of spread out really nice. Yep. And it'll just set, and then that it's like that, varnish. It's like varnishing your ribs. 
you got it. The yeah. the uh, honey in there will just shine over and make the ribs very nice and shiny. And of course, bring out that nice red flavor. We have some special uh, bright red paprika that we use, and and just so that's how we got to what we got. And our team Suckle Busters guys helped us get there. Um, so yeah, so that's the story. Of the sauces we that we. It could have been marketing genius that got us there, but it was like you know, just that's just the way we liked it, and so that's what mm -hmm. we made. You know, Dan, I, I, I see, I see more people coming in. Um, they're, they're getting, they're, they're the the consumer uh, is 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 so smart now because of all the all the different um, places they can go to to garner information. Uh, they'll ask what. Um, you know what? You know they always ask. You know what's your favorite, and yeah. you know it's like asking what's your favorite. Who's your favorite child? Yeah, you know, got a whole story of your favorite. Right? Yeah, exactly right. Bring them in unless you like them. Um, and and you know I'll tell them like this is what I've used, and other people have used this. And then they'll say, well, what gives? Like especially with ribs, uh, they'll say what what gives it that color that I see, and that's yeah. what they're striving for. They want that thing to look like a penny. Because, you know, they're, they're, they've cooked ribs before, and the only thing they're getting is that charred, old black-looking, you know, rib that tastes good, but right. it's not appealing to the eye. Yeah. And, and they're looking for, they're, they're trying to, uh, the, ba the backyard person is trying to up their game now. Yeah. They're seeing pictures, and they want their food to look like those pictures. Right. And, and the products that are out there, like the, uh, the glaze that you sell. And all they got to do is, is, you know, you know, get a little information and, and they're striving, they're striving for that, um, that look that, uh, uh, you know, that, that I want it to look like, uh, Malcolm Reeds. I want it to look like I saw on his video that, that shiny, you know, looks like a copper penny. Yeah. You know, we yeah, want it to sure. look like that. Yeah. And they, you know, frankly, today it's a little easier to barbecue with the pellet grills and that type of thing and all the products that are out there. You know, your backyard guy, they can do, do some research and practice up a little bit and get it going fairly quickly. Oh, ab absolutely. Uh, yeah. the, the learning curve is, is a whole lot less. Well, it's, it's, it's a lot less than seven years since, than, than since I've been in it. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, they can put out really good barbecue quickly, mm -hmm. right? And so that's what, awesome for the industry. So what um what is the future for Suckle Busters? Have you got a um, any other products in mind? Expanding on the product line, or maybe introducing a new, a different type of product other than rubs and sauces? With anything, anything else coming out? Well, we're going to stick to doing what we do best, mm -hmm. uh, and that's barbecue. So everything we do is barbecue centric. Uh, we have an area on our um, website called Area Fifty One. Mm -hmm. Area 51 is a place you can't go, right? But right. You know, on the website, if you know about it, you can sneak in there and take a peek at what's coming up. I've got a Jamaican jerk marinade out there right now. We've got a couple other things. So after we test new products with Team Suckle Busters, we will add them to Area 51 mm -hmm. so our customers can try them out. And what we do is we wait to see what's successful uh, a lot of times, or we'll get more feedback and make adjustments or whatever. But uh, Area 51 is a good place to go check out if you're looking for something new. I think I have my uh, family uh, taco seasoning out there right now. Mm -hmm. I got the Area 51 jerk marinade out there right now. And I think there's one other one uh, that we're working on. So those are kind of products that are bubbling around. But in terms of the business and what we're doing with the business, you know, we have a lot of product. We're always trying to make them better. One of the things that we're working on right now is kind of sharing what we do best as a company with some of our, you know, close friends here in Texas. And we're coming up with a new program called the Texas Pitmaster Series. In fact, I've got one here we just released this week. Uh, this one is called Tailgaters Party Rub. And so we're working with some of the best pitmasters in the state of Texas to help them bring their rubs to market. You know, oh, okay. a lot of these guys have, like you or my, me, you know, they have plan A working. Plan B is their barbecue deal. And so we help them with plan B. We'll produce the products, you know, we'll take their recipes, get it made for them. We'll get packaging done for them. We'll do marketing and distribution for them and help them get a start on plan B. So that's that's one of the things that's new for Suckle Busters. One of the things we're working on It's pretty exciting. That That's a that's a, that's a a tremendous service because everybody, everybody has the... Uh the want to, 
but they don't right. have the know-how. And, yeah, they, uh, that's right. Yeah. And we've been there, done that. We've got a lot of skin, knees and, you know, bruised arms from doing it. And it's like, Hey, these are lessons we learned. We can fast track you through and get you a park, a, a good product to market. That's well positioned to be successful. You know, we have over a thousand dealers so we can help them even penetrate the market and sell. Yeah. Well, Dan, you'll do it. Your, your company does a great job. It's a, um, it's a well-run organization. When you call an order, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's seamless. Uh, it's very professional. And uh, for a small guy like me to give the attention that you gave me when I know that there are, are uh, you know, big boxes behind me ordering a hundred times what I order. Uh, you know, I appreciate that attention. I appreciate the product information. And I, I really appreciate you being uh, with us tonight. And uh, I'm going to scoot you an email tomorrow and uh, order some more uh, some more product and get some more of those uh, sauces in. And I'm going to get that uh, glaze in for everybody. And uh, everybody listening, spread the word because uh, we got a lot of people from Udawa listening tonight. That uh, that glaze finish is really something. And, uh, and we'll be stocking that soon. So, Dan Arnold, thank you so much. Good luck to you. And, uh, man, many more years of success. And uh, thanks for what you've done for me. And uh, and I hope I can return the favor. Steve, thanks. I'd just like to say, man, we, we love you guys. Dealers, you. This, this is the core of our business. This is what 80% of our business does is work with guys like you. And so we wake up every day and we try to figure out, hey, how can we take good care of Steve? So we appreciate your business. Our customers are awesome. They do so much for us that they don't even realize, you know, when they buy our products, mm -hmm. they're helping a small business uh, and many more small Absolutely. businesses that we, uh, that we do business with. I mean, we really try to do business with, with companies like us. And so, at this point in time, it's really the heartbeat of America are these small companies. And we'd love to be a part of that. And our customers are part of that. You're a part of that. Everybody out there listening, thank you. We appreciate your business. And if there's anything that Sucklebusters can do for you, you call us and we'll take good care of you guys. Dan, thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Steve. We'll do it again. All right. Sounds good. You betcha. Dan, Dan Arnold from Sucklebusters from down in the Dallas, Texas area. Appreciate Dan being with us. Just a fantastic guy, fantastic products. Uh, one of the, one of the, the, the good, um, one of the better companies that we deal with on a daily basis at the Al's Nest uh, barbecue store. I dropped, I dropped. No, I didn't hear it is right here. Hey, thanks for watching. Serious talk, serious talk. These are tough times, I know. Uh, I know you've been out of work. A lot of you guys in the restaurant business, um, just getting back started. Um, we've got a, we've got a restaurant here. Let me just real quick story. Uh, we've got a restaurant here in, um, our area called Wally's. It's in, it's in a little town called East Ridge. It's a I-75 interstate town. Um, it's been there. The company, uh, the, the, the name Wally's is synonymous with Chattanooga. It's been forever, forever. Um, they were always had one of the best buffets in town and, um, uh, they, uh, of course, they had to close down during the uh, uh, situation we had, and uh, they're reopening, and uh, they're dropping the, um, they're dropping the uh, buffet, and they're going with the uh, service service side, you know, more of a meet and three type of uh, restaurant. Um, you know, these when these restaurants open, uh, they're going to be different. Um, uh, there was a fellow, uh, Nick Solaris, this guy in New York. I was listening to an interview with him several, several weeks ago with Greg Rempe on the Barbecue Central show. Then he uh, he said, when this thing on the other side, this is when it first started. He said, on the other side of this thing, dining as we know it out is going to be different. And um, and, I, and, I, and, and and I thought he's a smart guy, and I thought, boy, he probably, probably knows what he's talking about. But this that I thought of that this morning when I read that in the paper that this 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 company that has been synonymous with one of the better buffet lines in Chattanooga for years, and I'm, I'm folks, I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking 30, 40 years, are, are dropping that from their uh, the way they do business. They're going to just a sit down, meet and three, which and it'll be great. I mean, don't I don't think they're they're 
they're going to lose customers because their food is fantastic. But uh, what, I, what I want to say is when you go into your favorite restaurant, I've been to a couple. We don't eat out a whole lot, but uh, a lot of people do. And, and, the, and the restaurants that I've been to since the, they started opening, they, they are different. Um, they're uh, maybe not as enthusiastic uh, because they're, they're thinking of things that we have no idea the problems that these guys are thinking of. They've got uh, staffing problems right now. They're competing. Can you imagine competing with the federal government trying to find an employee when the federal government is giving money away and you're trying to get somebody to work? Uh, that's, that's the biggest problem. You're, you're competing with the federal government that's giving them money to stay home. And, um, and, that, and that's, a, uh, that's a, a whole dynamic that uh, I don't see how I don't see how they can compete with that. So your restaurant, your favorite restaurant is going to be different when it opens, if it hasn't already opened. And you can already tell it's different. And they, the service might be a little slower. Um, food might be different. But uh, give them the benefit of a doubt and go back there. Don't, uh, don't, be, so, don't be so quick to criticize. Uh, you know, it seems like there's a, there's a group of us that go to a restaurant and we can't wait to, to criticize instead of uh, praise. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a great meal and, you know, the, the, the apple pie wasn't perfect. And we'd rather talk about the unperfect apple pie than we would the, uh, the great burger or the great steak we just had. So uh, cut them some slack and, um, and, and embrace their newness. If they've got a new, uh, if they got a new way of doing things, embrace it. Understand what they're up against. And this, this goes for restaurants. It goes for all businesses. Because it, it's, unfortunately, it's not going to be the same. And, and I hate it. I hate it with a passion. I wish it would stay the same. But it, it, to think that is, uh, uh, you'd be foolish to think that. That this thing, um, that, that it's going to be the same as it was on uh, February the 28th. So cut your restaurant some slack. Give them some praise. Pat them on the back. Give them an attaboy. And um, tell them, good job. We'll be back. And uh, because they need you. They need you now more than ever. Uh, thanks, Dan Arnold, Suckle Busters, for being on the show. Uh, next week, we, next week we're going to be talking charcoal, and we'll have the rep from B&B Charcoal on with us next week. So if you're a, if you're one of those guys, it's a whole. I know it's a whole segment of you people out there that love to talk charcoal. You know the difference. I personally, one done from the other, I I can't tell. And people say, Steve, you're stupid. There's a big difference, and let me explain it to you. Well, the guy we got coming up next week with B&B Charcoal, he is going to explain it to you, and he's going to explain it to me, and he's going to make me a believer in good charcoal. So until then, everybody, take care, good night, and for sure, good luck. <laughs>